This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. In this episode, you'll meet the conscious consultant. We'll uncover his unlikely journey from IT to a focus on empowering and uplifting the world. You'll hear about broadcasting, shamanism, spoon bending, and how we can change something in the physical world. And how you can cultivate presence and non-judgment in everyday life. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I'm here with Sam Leibowitz. He's also a facilitator, healer, mentor, integration specialist, radio host, and podcast producer. That is a lot. So Sam, so <laughs> glad to have you on the show today. No moss growing under my feet. I keep busy. <laughs> I am a coach, a consultant, um, a healer. I do energy healing. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur since 1993. Um, so I'm taking a lot of the experience that I've had in over half a dozen different industries. And I help other people um, in their careers, in their businesses. But I take a very different approach. That's kind of why I'm known as the conscious consultant. Because I look at things from a more energetic perspective. So when I help people, I look at, you know, what are the patterns? What's the underlying energy of whatever situation they're in? You know, why are you stuck? Or why is your business or your career not feeding you? Um, so I look at things differently. And I work with people who are kind of open to seeing things a little different, um, as you well know. Um, so that's a lot of what I do. Uh, I also have my own uh, online uh, radio show, live podcast, um, like yourself. And uh, uh, I also am in facilitator training for some shamanic work, uh, which I'm working on. And uh, I also help people to integrate their experiences. There are a lot of people who are being drawn to these more indigenous practices and they're great practices, uh, but oftentimes they have difficulty figuring out how to integrate it into their day-to-day -day life. You know, they have this peak experience, this spiritual experience uh, in the jungle or on a weekend, and then it's like, what do I do with this now in my regular life? So I help people uh, quite a bit with that. Mm. So... I first met Sam at a spoon bending workshop uh, that no, you he met facilitated. Me that, oh, really? Did I meet you before? Yeah, Where you was met that? me at my Law of Attraction meetup group. Oh, okay. That's how you knew to come to the spoon bending ah, workshop. Ah, I see. Well, he's done a lot and that has inspired me and kind of shown me the way in my own spiritual journey. That was definitely a point in time when, awesome. when I was first learning about the Law of Attraction and, and had not yet... Um, found a community of people or even mm -hmm. knew that there were people like that in New York City, which is amazing. <laughs> and um, and then we did a spoon bending workshop, which yes. which I actually had talked about in a previous episode on this podcast. Um, but before we talk more about that, I wanted to 
to kind of ask you what first intrigued me about you mm-hmm. was that I don't I don't remember your background being this. Like I remember it was something like you went to a specialized science high school and mm-hmm. that there that you had another perspective um and that kind of shifted into what you're doing now. Can you talk more about kind of before you even sure. became yes. you so, in this way? So, so I, growing up in the Bronx, I ended up going to the Bronx High School of Science. My my older brother and sister went there. You know, it's kind of the neighborhood school, and you know, we were expected to do well enough on the entrance exam to get in there. So I worked hard to do that. So I, I have sort of a very a scientific way of looking at life. But at the same time, when I was a senior in high school, I experienced some things that you just couldn't explain. And, you know, I had already been sort of questioning things. I didn't really buy into traditional religion because it just, it, it, I didn't feel the spirit of it there. And I saw a lot of hypocrisy. You know, some of the stuff sounded good, but I didn't really see people living it. So I was already kind of open and questioning. And I remember uh, the first time someone told me, hey, do you believe in reincarnation? I was like, what's reincarnation? And they explained the concept to me. And I thought, well, that makes a lot more sense, uh, you know, of having, you know, the way they explained it to me is they say, well, reincarnation, well, in, in traditional Western uh, religions, they think like you only have one shot at getting it. It's like you go to third grade, and at the end of third grade, you pass the test, or you don't pass the test, so you go to heaven or hell. But reincarnation is you get to take third grade over and over and over again until you pass the test, and then you go into fourth grade, and then you take fourth grade over and over again until you pass the test and go into fifth grade. And it just, to me, seemed like that was a much more compassionate way for the universe to be. Uh, so I, I kind of opened me up, and so I started to look into, uh, you know, Eastern religions and philosophies. I then, in college, you know, met some friends and and sort of started my spiritual journey, which lasted a number of years through college and after college. But then things didn't go as expected. There was actually some difficulties that I ended up having to walk away from the whole experience. And it was very difficult for me because so much of my identity was tied up into this belief system that had evolved over, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. And so I was really kind of lost for a long time afterwards. Now, during that time, I you know, graduated college, I worked in IT, I worked for financial institutions on Wall Street, I eventually um, uh, became a systems manager at a uh, nonprofit, and then I kind of left to become a consultant. And so at that time, it was around the same time that I kind of walked away from things, so I just kind of threw myself into being an entrepreneur, because I just didn't know what else to do. And so I... Uh, uh, worked with a friend uh, 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 starting a company called Software Sculptors, which was a, a, a computer consulting company. But then eventually it morphed into a sort of a multimedia company. Me and my partner, John, uh, created these um, video screensavers out of Japanese animation, little clips from it, which at the time was still a relatively underground movement. You would find it at Star Trek conventions um, and some of these college conventions. Um, but then as uh, some of these series came out like Pokemon and started becoming more popular, but we split off. Um, that company got bought by another publisher, and then we split off and formed another company called Media Blasters, 
Um, and I stayed with John like another three, four years, helping to build up Media Blasters from zero to I think it was we just broke a million dollars in sales when I left. And John is still running that company. Uh, actually, we recently connected on Facebook after years of not talking to each other. So that was kind of interesting. And then from that, I hopped into um, I left that company to really pursue a passion of mine, which is space exploration. So I formed an online business in the aerospace industry for seven years. Wow. Um, but then the shuttle Columbia blew up and oh, the no. industry got depressed. So I kind of had to leave that behind, ended up doing real estate for a while, um, which was definitely not for me. I lost my shirt in real estate, um, you know, getting involved as things were heating up here in New York. And then I was right in the middle of trying to do this mixed use building in Queens and having a construction loan, but hadn't started construction. And then the, the bubble burst, the bank pulled the loan and all kinds of problems. And until um, I'd left that and then uh, because it really wiped us out. And then I happened to be at a party where a good friend of mine pulls this guy over and says, Sam, you got to meet my friend Giorgio. I'm like, uh, okay, Giorgio. I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, well, I'm an acupuncturist. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I haven't met too many acupuncturists. And he's like, yeah, but I've decided to become a Buddhist monk and I'm selling off all my worldly possessions. I was like, oh, okay. That was really different. I was like, so have you sold your business yet? And he was like, no, not yet, but you know, I'm working on it. I go, well, I network a lot. I know a lot of people. Maybe I can help you sell the business. He goes, oh, sure. That'd be great. And we're talking a little bit more. And then he says, oh, yeah. And I started this internet radio network. And I was like, wait a minute. This sounds familiar. Acupuncturist radio network. I was like, what's your last name? And he says, Repetti. And I was like, ah, you're Giorgio Repetti. I know who you are because my friend Larry Sharp um, does a radio show on your network. And he's told me about you, but he never actually connected us. And now there he is standing in front of me. So we meet a week later in his office and we talk about the potential and, and having a background in doing public speaking and communicating and technology, the idea of the radio station, this internet radio station really appealed to me. And my wife is a psychotherapist. I did energy medicine and I had friends who were different practitioners. So I kind of at the end of this two and a half hour meeting with him said, well, you know what, if I can't. And he was like literally selling both sides of the business as like one business. And I thought this is such a good deal. I was like, if I can't find someone to buy the business, I'll buy it myself. And we both kind of laughed about it because I'm not an acupuncturist. I wasn't you know, planning on becoming an acupuncturist. That night I go home and talk to my wife and I tell her all about the meeting and everything. And she's like, forget helping him to sell it. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. She goes, you know, we don't have much money left, but we may as well put it into a business that's actually making money. Let's find a way to just buy it from him. And I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. Met with him. This was back in 2010. We worked out an agreement, um, brought in an acupuncturist whom he trained to take over his clients. And then that kind of really put my feet very solidly on the path that I'm on today. You speak of the law of attraction. Yes. And which I guess I see it as your thoughts and emotions creating your reality, and you may have uh, another definition of that. How do you see what you just described, what, what just transpired in your trajectory uh, relating to that? I would definitely say I attracted the opportunity, but at the same time, I was open. And this is, I think, one of my best qualities that has served me very well over a very <laughs> interesting life um, is I tend to be open to where the universe takes me. 
And so, you know, for me, and, and I, I ran this Law of Attraction meetup group for, again, I think over seven years. Um, I've transformed it now into something else. But for me, the Law of Attraction, the way I approached it and how I studied it, and, you know, I, I've seen Esther Hicks and Jerry Hicks when he was alive, you know, live at one of their events, I've watched lots of the videos, read all the books. To me, I always kind of felt like people were kind of missing the point with law of attraction, that it's actually a very spiritual practice, but I think most people don't bother studying it enough to really get at what's going on. And so, because if you really listen to what Abraham says through Esther, one of the key things that I heard, and this really... uh, 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 struck the chord with me and really was like the Rosetta Stone that all of a sudden then I understood it, is Abraham once said, you know, visualize all this stuff, the house, the car, all these great things you want. But he said, but it's all just an excuse for you to feel good, to raise your vibration. And that actually, if you're really good at raising your vibration and feeling good about it, that it doesn't even matter whether you get it or not, you know, then you've really gotten to the right place. And that's when I realized, you know what? It's not about all the material stuff. It's it's about shifting our energy. It's about living life. You know, a higher vibration sounds so woo-woo, but living our life more energetically, more consciously, living life from the perspective that the universe is here to serve us. It's not against us. That idea of pronoia, not paranoia. Uh, and that, you know, when you get to the root of it, like that's really what law of attraction is all about. It's about living more aware, more awake, more conscious, more alive. I really like that point because ultimately it doesn't matter whether, you know, your vision comes true or not, but that the point, point being that you are living in that space like it's i see it as like a state of being exactly someone once said you can't have a happy ending to an unhappy journey the point is to live a happy journey the point is to to shift your perspective to see how what's going on around us every single day is actually serving us and it's so interesting especially when i work with clients and and i it takes time, but once they shift their perspective, it's like all of a sudden their face lights up as like happens a lot in the spoon bending workshop. It's like when someone finally gets it, it's like all of a sudden they're seeing the world with new eyes and it's like you have a new lease on life. And it's it's a, a wonderful, wonderful thing to see happen. Right. And and that was exactly what happened for me. And, and I brought my husband and a friend too for the spoon bending <laughs> workshop. Yeah. And because at that point I had learned about the law of attraction, had, had seen it um, manifest things in my life, whether right. it was, you know, getting a new job that was just mm-hmm. ideal in so many different ways or, um, and that was really my prime example. I, I really do believe that I manifested my, my new job. Right. And yet there was still a part of me that was, somewhat doubtful or skeptical that that it really happened <laughs> or or that that things were actually changing yeah. and what i loved about the spoon bending workshop that you did was that 
I mean, for most of it, we talked about science yes. and atoms. Yes. <laughs> and, and having this physical transformation right in front of your eyes, I thought yeah. was just so, so powerful. Exactly. That went beyond any intellectual you know, justification of, oh, you know, I, I think I manifested this or I think right. I, you know, I was open and therefore this happened. So can you talk more about the workshop and your approach and kind of how it integrates um, what, uh, you know, what you see as the universe? Right. Well, it's, it's one of the reasons why I love doing the workshop is because it really does give people a physical experience of what it means to shift energy. And I, as you mentioned, I spend like the first half of the workshop. It's a three-hour workshop, but it takes at least an hour and a half for me to shift people's mindset about what is this physical universe, about what's it all about, because we're so indoctrinated in this society into this idea of Newtonian physics, which is way old, which is very much... In, in Alvin Toffler's language, second wave thinking, the, the industrialization and the, the mechanization of the world that we're now we've moved into much more the third wave thinking, which is more of dealing things in the quantum realm and possibilities and energy. And so I have to spend a lot of time in the beginning of the workshop just to get people to open up a little bit about the possibility. It may not even necessarily shift their beliefs, but at least people get the idea by the time I'm there of the possibilities. And and then we we go through the process and we do it three times because oftentimes people don't bend the spoon on the first try, right? I don't remember with you. Did you bend the spoon on the very first try? Uh I was I bent it in the first workshop, maybe not the first right, try. Right. So 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 we do it three times, and usually what happens, and it's very interesting because, like I would say, ninety eight percent of the people who come to the workshop will bend the spoon by the end of the workshop, but the first time, what happens if let's say we have a group of like ten twelve people, like the first time maybe only two people will bend it, but it's like when that first person bends the spoon and they go, oh my god, I bent the spoon. That then other people look. And then they are like, oh, it really is possible. And then the second go around, when we do a slightly different process, then more people bend the spoon. And then by the time we do the third process, just about everyone bends their spoon because it's getting past that belief that this is impossible because the, the spoon feels so hard. And when I'm trying to bend it, it's not giving way. Uh, but then finally they notice that it is getting a little bit soft and boom, it just goes. And so it's really kind of taking people along this journey where first I got to shift their mindset, suspend their disbelief, and then give them the experience that we are more than just electrons and protons and neutrons and atoms and molecules, that indeed, like, that's only a small piece of the picture. And, and you know, in the workshop, I usually say, like, now the latest, you know, theory is about uh, superstrings is the dominant theory. But now I just recently heard, yeah, but now superstring theory is, uh, is starting to wane. And now there are other new theories coming up about the way the universe works. And so you know, we're constantly learning and exploring and it's part of it is not being tied to any one way because 
a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, we're going to have a completely different understanding of the way the universe works than we do today. So it's important, I feel, to just remain flexible in our thinking about what really is possible because miracles happen all the time. Miracles are just some things that are highly improbable, but not impossible. And that's a very key distinction for people to keep in mind. We're going to hear more from Sam Lubowitz. And I have a couple of more questions around the spoon bending workshop in terms of how it relates to uh, your understanding of the universe. And that's something that I hope you'll take away a lot of good insights. Back in a moment. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Hey, everybody, this is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. We're just talking about spoon bending, which I have to say is something that I think everyone should try their hand at. <laughs> um, one of the I things I, I remember during the workshop is that the, you know, we had talked about right before the break that people don't necessarily bend the spoon uh, the first time. Right. And so what happened was the partner that I was paired up with, this lady that I didn't know, mm -hmm. There was something about what I shared with her. I think we were just talking about, you know, who are you? What do you do? Mm -hmm. And there was some, maybe it was like a story that I shared that I had never shared with anyone before, just about mm -hmm. how I was, you know, looking for, wanting to look for a new job and, and um, just telling someone else that kind of made it real for me. Mm -hmm. And it somehow resonated with her because she was in the same position maybe. And so she bent her spoon and I, she was one of those people who didn't, couldn't bend it the first time around. So she was actually right. here the second time. Right. And so for me, seeing her bend the spoon mm. brought me so much joy. Like I, I felt almost <laughs> this energetic shift on my part. And so I was able to bend it. Mm, beautiful. And then I shared, you know, you, you kind of facilitate this group discussion of, you know, what was the experience like? And when I shared that I had bent it, I just was so, I was so lit up by that experience that yeah. my husband sitting across the room mm -hmm. saw that and he was able to then bend yeah. the spoon. So I'm curious to know, you know, what your perspective <laughs> is on, on all of that, because it felt like it, it was beyond, you know, wanting, like visualizing things happening and, um, and then, you know, making it happen. What was, what was going on from your perspective? So 
again, I evolve like everyone else. And the answer I'll give you today will be different than the answer I would have given five years ago. So what I understand now is, and the real beauty and magic of bringing a group of people together and doing something like that is because it's not just about what's going on inside of each individual in the room, but there's a field, there's a relational field between everybody there that that field, that energetic field creates something new in it. And so it was no accident, even though it was random that you got paired up with that woman because there was something in the field that said, mm, let's bring the two of these people together. And and what you described of like how one something resonates with one person and they can bend the spoon and then the other person's so happy so then they spin the spoon and then the other person sees that person bending and they bend the spoon and then another person around the corner sees them do it and they bend the spoon and I've seen it happen. It's like a domino effect. Once that first person does it or first person gets really excited then boom, 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 a bunch of people bend the spoons. Now, I, I also just want to qualify for the audience so they understand this is not the Yuri Geller style of bending a spoon where you're just holding in your hand looking at it and it just flops over okay that's not what that's like the super advanced level <laughs> we're talking about where you actually are holding the spoon in your two hands and you test it first before we do the process to feel how strong the spoon is and it's not a and so you're bending the spoon with your hands but you're not bending it with your strength because as i mentioned in the workshop i say there's going to come a point where the metal just feels soft, where it just feels like it's about to give away, and that's when you just bend it naturally. And I have bent spoons in my office today that I still hold on to that I just know if I tried to bend those with my strength, there was no way I could bend them. It is only because I went into a more subtle realm, in a sense, to do it. And so what does it all mean? To me... It's all about really getting people to understand that everything is energy. It's because of the energy that you felt off of seeing this other person bend that your energy shifted and bent. And your husband sitting across the room seeing you bend, that shifted his energy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I know it sounds very woo-woo, but it's actually one of the most practical things that we can understand about the way life works. Because it works this way, not just about bending spoons, it works this way about relationships, about business, about healing, about everything. And and again, I'll bring it back to physics, just really to hammer this point home. Let's just look, and this is something I talk about in the workshop. Einstein's most famous equation. What is it, Julie? E equals mc squared. E equals mc squared. Everybody knows that, but let's pick it apart. What is E? E is energy. Energy equals m. What's m? Mass or matter. C squared. C is the speed of light, or let's just call it some really, really, really huge number squared, so it's even bigger. But it's a, it's a very simple equation. If we use just high school algebra and we divide one side by c squared and the other side by c squared, we get an equivalent equation. So what do we end up with? We end up with m, matter or mass, equals e, energy, divided by c squared or some really big number or energy just vibrating at a much lower rate. So when we think there's no 
difference, and this is the point I really try and make, there's no difference between hard physical matter and energy. It's merely energy in a different state, the same way that an ice cube is the same as a glass of water, it's just in a different state because it's vibrating at a slower rate. And that, and that ice cube is the same as steam, which you can't even touch because it's just at a different state. It's vibrating faster. And so when we really get it, but not just get it intellectually, because here in the United States and in the Western in general, we, we glorify the mind so much that we forget that there's this whole other organism below our neck called our body there's our heart, there's our spirit, that when it gets in our nervous system, where it's not that we know it, but we've experienced it, that it becomes really part of who and what we are, that's when this idea that everything is energy, like really shifts and change people's lives. And, and, I, and for me, like you're one of the best examples of this because I remember when you came to the Spoon Bending Workshop, you were working at the, the Business Development um, uh, Corporation or the BID for Empire State. And now look at oh, you. for the city. For the city, <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, and, and dealing with very practical, mundane, you know, getting businesses funded and stuff like that. And now look at what you're doing. Now, you're still the same person, but what's happened since then? Your energy has shifted. And now your life is completely different than it was then. Mm. Right? So how does this then translate for, let's say, you know, from a business perspective and like this notion of changing states and is there a state that you want to be in? Like, is, is that kind of, if, if you map it to what Abraham and Esther Hicks say in terms right. of raising vibration, maybe more on a, a scale of right. maybe fear to love, what? You see, I see ha, things differently yeah. now. And a lot of this comes from the shamanic practices that I've okay. been doing that where we're ultimately trying to get to is presence to really, truly, and powerfully be present in the moment, which means not just that we feel the joyful stuff, but we feel the sadness, and we feel the pain, and we feel the misery too, but we feel it without judgment. And this is one of the things I think we, we really are our own worst enemies and we cause ourselves the most trouble because we judge that, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this and I shouldn't be feeling that and, oh, I shouldn't be sad or I shouldn't be depressed. It's like, no, it, you feel the way you feel. There are no shoulds. I mean, I wish we could like eliminate the word should from the English language because it causes so much trouble. We are who we are and we feel what we feel and it's when we don't feel what we're feeling, when we suppress those feelings that we really cause ourselves trouble. But if we're present to it, if we are present to it without judging it, and, and, and allow ourselves to just experience life fully, that then energetically we feel it and we release it and then we can move forward without clinging to our past, without ruminating over these memories of how this person did us wrong. So then when we show up, we're showing up fully, consciously awake. And, and that's really what this sort of evolution 
energetically is all about is us to ultimately become self-actualized beings who are present in each and every moment, not worried about the, not, not ruminating over the past, not worried about the future, right? Einstein said, you know, worry is a misuse of imagination, right? Let's imagine what is the future we want to bring into this world. But when we're fully present to the given moment, magic happens. I've seen it over and over again. I mean, in my healing work, I believe why I'm such an effective healer is because I'm able to be present with the client in such a strong way and, and allow this field to work through me that it's that presence that really facilitates the person to help them with their own healing and that it's not me healing them or, or some spiritual being healing them. It's really them healing themselves but it's the presence of the moment that really facilitates that. Sam and I will continue talking about presence. This is something that sounds easy. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> sounds easy, but but in terms of implementing it, whether yes. whether it's in business, whether it's in your job or family, it's something that um, that I want to talk about. So more after this. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. We talked about presence. Yes. How does someone be present? And I'll, I'll kind of frame that in from my perspective where, where, you know, for me, being present means my attention is focused completely on what's in front of me. And it may be my mind is focused, my, my body may be focused. And I'm wondering if thoughts are still running. Does that mean I'm present? Of course, of course. <laughs> but I would say first we have to learn to be present with ourselves, mm. right? Before we can be present with another person, we really need to be present with ourselves. And that's where practices like meditation become so important. You know, what are we feeling right now? You know, what are you feeling in your body, in your heart? Are there some pains? Are there some aches? What are those pains or aches trying to tell us? You know, being present, it, it's first about just being present by ourselves and feeling what's around you. Do you feel the air on your skin? You know, do you feel like a little bit of tightness in your neck or not? Or are you loose? 
You know, are you feeling uh, tired? Are you feeling energetic? Are you feeling relaxed? You know, did you just do yoga or something? You know, how did you just feel? And just asking ourselves that question starts to take us to that place. What am I feeling right now? And just sitting with it and not having to speak, not, you know, just being present with the silence. You know, we have a hard time, especially now we have phones, you know, we're always constantly being distracted. It's like, can we just sit in silence? And it's a great practice to actually do with somebody else. Can you sit with someone, your partner, your friend, and just sit there and just be silent with each other for a few seconds and see how does that feel? Does it make you a little anxious? Does it feel comfortable? Does it feel a little uneasy? Like just noticing that there's huge information in there. And then, you know, once you've kind of cultivated that sense of presence of yourself, then being present with another person becomes much more easy. Then you start to notice facial expressions, body language, the tone of their voice, what else is going on in the room. And it's amazing how when you really learn to be present, you start to feel things even before the person says it. Like even before maybe you're meeting a friend and and just getting together to catch up and just being present with them, you kind of feel like something's wrong. And then they relate how like, you know, they're having difficulty because their elderly parent is in the hospital or something. And maybe you didn't quite put your finger up, but you could feel there was a little bit of a disturbance in the force, shall we say. And so being present allows us to be open to all this information that we're not normally open to. I remember hearing there was a study done that said that our brains take in something like 2 billion bits of information a second, but our conscious mind only registers something like 2,000. So it's not even a hundredth of a percent. So how much information is there? Are we getting in through all our senses that we're not even aware of. So let's say I'm taking in all this information by being present. How how do you keep judgment away? Let's say I'm getting information like, oh, let's say, for example, a friend um, says something that, and then my mind just goes into judgment. Well... uh the first thing to remember is all judgment is ultimately self-judgment. It's not really about the other person. The other person is merely a mirror for us. So it's looking at well, where are those self-judgments coming from. And again, I, I, I'm making this sound very simple, but I understand it takes a lot of work to get there. I mean, that's sort of part of the shamanic practice that I'm doing. I've been at this work now for a little over three years, and I know I'm like just at the beginning of this. Um, So it, it, it is a practice, which means we never get it perfect. It's the great work. It's stuff we're going to be doing for the rest of our life. But once we sort of step on that path, then we continually move in that direction, you know, sometimes quicker, sometimes slower. So we're being present, all right? Someone says something, it triggers something in us. So the first thing I always recommend is to remember that in a perfect universe, there are no accidents. 
So if something is being brought up, that there's a reason for it. And if it's triggering something within us, great. That's an opportunity for some self-exploration. Hmm, why do I have this judgment? Why is this triggering me, uh, me about this person? Why is what they said bothering me? If, you know, oh, this person said something that isn't true. Well, if it's really not true, why would it bother me? Is there something in what they said that maybe I feel is true or I'm afraid is true? So that's why it bothers me. You know, Julie, it's kind of like we're having a conversation. And I say, oh, Julie, you're a terrorist, right? Are, are you going to take offense at that? I don't know. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> of course not, because it's not true, and you know it's not true. So you know it's not true. It just rolls off your back. It's like, oh, this person's crazy, right? So if it rolls off our back, it's not true. It doesn't bother us. It doesn't disturb anything. But if I say something else and you're like, mm, no, that's not true, and you have a strong reaction to it, mm, that's a trigger, that's, that's a, a soft spot, then there's something to explore in there. But instead of looking at when we get triggered by other people, looking at like such a horrible thing, it's like, oh, you triggered me. How dare you trigger me? It's like, great, wonderful. I'm being triggered. Let me find out what this trigger is all about. Because then we can kind of work through it. And when we eventually realize what this trigger is all about and we work it out and become more comfortable with it, then the next time someone says like that, we'll be less triggered and then less triggered, then less triggered until we're not triggered at all by it. You know, and then we'll find other things that trigger us. <laughs> you know, it's not that we're ever not going to be triggered. We're always going to get triggered. We'll be triggered by our parents. You know what Osho said, right? If you think you're enlightened, go spend a weekend with your family, <laughs> right? There's always people in our lives who are going to trigger us. And if it's not, if, if our, we've made peace with our friends, with our family and our business associates, um, some politician will trigger us. But when we make peace with the universe... And then nothing need trigger us. And if it triggers us, but we come to it from a perspective of, of playfulness and fun and joy of like, oh, goody, I get to like work on some more stuff. Or I get to play with some, dance with some more stuff. You know, work tends to have a negative connotation in this world. So I'd like to be careful with language. So it's let's play a little bit more and work a little bit less. How has the shamanic work that you've been doing or shamanic play that you've been doing <laughs> help in this regard like what exactly what exactly do you do when you when you're doing that well um i i'm in this sort of tradition that this peruvian shaman created and and he took a lot of the indigenous technologies i'm going to call them and modernize them for today whereas you know Typically, to experience a, a real shamanic ritual, you would have to like, you know, go down to the jungles of the Amazon, spend weeks down there and, and go through this experience and integrate it. That's not practical for most people. And so uh, this gentleman created a way of experiencing the same thing in an evening. So we'll get together um, usually everyone has some kind of intention. What are they working on? What do they want to experience for the night? And then with his tradition, it's a very tribal tradition, which means that the shaman is not apart and separate from the people engaged in the ceremony, but a part of the 
the tribe and and that the shaman is not necessarily facilitating everybody there but everybody is facilitating everyone else and so we kind of go through our process through the evening and it's just magical what happens because sometimes you'll sit next to somebody and they may be dealing with you know some kind of loss or some kind of tragedy and it's something you've experienced yourself. And just by hearing them talk about what they're going through, it brings up certain emotions for you. And then the two of you talk together. And then like by the end of the night, you just feel the energy sort of shift and dissipate. And and by morning, and typically we do the ceremonies overnight so that the next morning, you know, we crash wherever, whatever house we're in. We get up in the morning, have breakfast together, and then we do sort of a closing ritual, which we call integration, which is people talking about their experiences the night before to help to kind of ground it and where they are now. I like to have people talk about what are they feeling now and what did they feel when they came in and sort of you get to see the difference. And so the way this this tradition helps with being present is that the more present you are in ceremony, like with all the ritual and all the ceremony, it, it gives us certain support to help us to be more present. You know, we turn off our phones and, and we just be with the people who are there. And so by really learning and practicing and getting it, you know, it doesn't happen just one time. I mean, this is not, I always tell people, look, this is not a one night stand. Like this mm-hmm. is something we do at least once a quarter, maybe every other month. We get together and we do this because it it does take time to sort of deprogram ourselves from the way we've been raised and from all these traumatic experiences. But the more we practice being present in this ritualistic setting, then when we go back to our normal life on Monday, it carries through because we have had that practice. Same thing like learning a sport, right? The first time you played basketball, you sucked at it. Mm -hmm. But the more you played, the more you practice, it just became natural. And then, you know, when you were not playing basketball, but, you know, you're throwing a piece of paper into the garbage pail, it went in really easily because you had all that practice on the basketball court. It's the same kind of idea. So I remember when I first met you, the shamanic work was... was not even on your radar, I think. No, it wasn't. I wasn't even looking for it. Right. What do you think is next on your horizon that you may want to explore? Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Well, as I said, I'm, I'm in the process of becoming a facilitator in this work. I've not yet gotten there yet but i uh, from talking to other facilitators in this work they all say the same thing that once you start facilitating groups like your stuff comes up and all the people in the group so that's going to be taking my work to another deeper level um uh, so some things that happened like you know in the last three years i actually had an opportunity to do a ted talk and i did a ted talk on consciousness and i just found out there's going to be another ted talk in the upper west side in ted talk lincoln center tedx lincoln center so i've applied for that so i'm hoping to talk about some of this consciousness stuff and presence stuff in that ted talk um i do see um i'm i'm actually forming a mastermind group that we're going to start in the beginning of of 2018 
And I do see myself doing more group work, even though, you know, I do do the workshops. I do do some group work, but I have a feeling I'm going to start getting busier and busier and it'll be more and more difficult to work individually with clients one-on-one. And I will probably start doing much more group work and bringing people together and working with that sort of dynamic field that gets formed when people come together. Um, Because I'm learning a lot about, you know, how to access and really use this relational field between people for the benefit of everybody who's there. And it's it's really something magical when you start to learn about it and understand it and, and tap into it. So that's where I, I see things going. Well, I'm excited for you. Thank you. Easiest way to get in touch with me is email. Um, real easy, Sam at talkradio.nyc. That's where I host uh, my own uh, podcast. Um, So yeah, just email me. um, Let me know what you're interested in. If you want to come to one of the shamanic ceremonies, let me know if you want uh, a private session or healing, or you just want to learn more, you know, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm always happy to talk to people. Great. And thank you, Julie, so much for having me on your show today. It's, it's nice to be on the other side of the mic, as they say. Uh, <laughs> I'm used to being the one asking the questions all the time. So it's nice to be the one answering the questions for a change. You're quite welcome. And it's so great to have you on the show as well. And kind of having this time to to debrief after after a really pivotal workshop for me. Yeah. And, and just to see where your journey has taken you and and keeps evolving so thank you thank you and for you who are listening take some time to think about what presence means for you and how you can access that without judgment so until the next time be on the lookout for all possibilities Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.